Hi, and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's plan for Gaza's future, once the guns fall silent, is likely to be a non-starter. Rather than provide a pathway to the resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the plan aims to squash Palestinian national aspirations and ensure continued Israeli control. It also assumes, against all odds, that Israel will succeed in destroying Hamas. Destroying Hamas is a goal of Israel's war that a majority of Israelis believe is unachievable. Mr. Netanyahu's proposal, entitled Plan for the Day After Hamas, also flies in the face of formal and or informal red lines laid down by the United States, various Arab states, including Egypt, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, the Palestinian Authority, and yes, Hamas. Those red lines include no Israeli reoccupation of any part of Gaza, no reduction of Gazan territory, and no rejection of Palestinian national rights to a state alongside Israel. The red lines also mandate a credible process to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, a concept absent from Mr. Netanyahu's suggestions. Mr. Netanyahu's plan makes reconstruction of war-devastated and traumatized Gaza conditional on Israel's ability to demilitarize the Strip and reshape Palestinian attitudes and aspirations in Israel's mold to ensure compliance with Israeli rather than Palestinian needs. Rebuilding Gaza will only be possible once the Strip has been demilitarized and once a process of de-radicalization has started. The rehabilitation plan will be carried out with funding from and under the leadership of countries of which Israel approves, the plan said. If anything, Mr. Netanyahu's plan highlights the yawning gap between Israel's vision of the future and that of all other major players. As a result, any effort that transcends ending the war and freezing the conflict will have to involve significant change, not only on the Palestinian side, embodied in the phrase revitalization of the Palestine Authority, but also in Israel. Ultimately, that change will have to include a recognition by Israelis and Palestinians that their concerns and fears are mirror images of one another and need to be taken into account equally and equitably. That notion, too, is absent from Mr. Netanyahu's proposal. It kicks off with the proposition that Israel will maintain operational freedom of action in the entire Gaza Strip without a time limit for the purpose of preventing the renewal of terrorism and thwarting threats from Gaza. Mr. Netanyahu ignores the fact that Palestinians are as traumatized by Israel's Gaza war conduct as Israelis are by Hamas's October 7 attack that sparked the latest hostilities and carnage. In other words, Palestinians feel as much, 
need to be shielded against Israeli violence as Israelis feel the need for protection against Palestinian violence. Implicit in Mr. Netanyahu's vision is the notion that Israel has a right to defend itself and ensure its security at whatever price. His vision not only denies Palestinians the same right, but also, leaving aside the nature of Palestinian resistance, the right to oppose occupation and pursue their right to self-determination, anchored in international law. In a sign of the times, Ma Jimin, the Chinese Foreign Ministry's legal advisor, this week defended at the International Court of Justice, or ICJ, the Palestinians' right to resistance under international law, including armed struggle, which in this context is distinguished from acts of terrorism, according to the Chinese legal advisor. Mr. Mia was speaking during week-long ICJ hearings on the legality of the Israeli occupation of Palestinian lands. Mr. Netanyahu's plan explicitly rejects the international community's red lines by insisting that a security space established in the Gaza Strip in the area bordering Israel will exist as long as there is a security need for it. Adding fuel to the fire, the Prime Minister reportedly intends to emphasize his problematic concept of security by pushing forward in the coming days the construction of thousands of new housing units in Israeli settlements in the West Bank in response to the ICJ hearings. In demanding that Israel have a security presence in Gaza, Mr. Netanyahu is in effect seeking to ensure that no third country or entity would be a party to governing and rehabilitating post-war Gaza. Mr. Netanyahu appears to envision that Israel's security presence would be along Gaza's border with Egypt in a move that is designed to maintain the kind of control of what goes in and out of the Strip that has hampered economic and social development in Gaza for almost two decades. Israel will maintain a southern closure on the Gaza-Egypt border for the purpose of preventing the re-intensification of terrorist elements in the Gaza Strip. The southern barrier will operate as much as possible in cooperation with Egypt and with the assistance of the U.S. and will be based on measures to prevent smuggling from Egypt, both underground and above ground, including at the Rafah crossing, according to Mr. Netanyahu's proposal. Mr. Netanyahu's insistence on demilitarization beyond what is required for maintaining public order constitutes an effort to destroy Hamas's military cap capability by other means after its military campaign so far failed to achieve its objectives. Leaving aside Hamas, which insists on ending armed struggle at the end of a process to resolve the conflict rather than as a precondition, it's unlikely that any Arab or Palestinian party would engage in governing Palestinian lands under Israeli tutelage and without a credible peace process. Similarly, no Palestinian or Arab party is likely to engage in a plan that is designed to counter Palestinian national aspirations under the mum of de-radicalization 
and would involve the dissolution and replacement of the controversial United Nations Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA, and reform of religious, educational, and welfare institutions in the Gaza Strip. Despite recent Israeli and U.S. claims that 12 UNRWA employees participated in Hamas's October 7 attack on Israel, Israel's long-standing campaign against the agency is driven by the fact that its educational materials and social work allow for the promotion of Palestinian national identity. Moreover, more than a half a century of Israeli occupation of Palestinian lands illustrates what Mr. Netanyahu means by de-radicalization. Israel bans in Israel itself, as well as in the occupied West Bank, any expression of Palestinian national identity, including displaying a Palestinian flag. The Knesset, Israel's parliament, bolstered Mr. Netanyahu's approach by overwhelmingly rejecting unilateral attempts to impose on Israel a timeline for the creation of an independent Palestinian state. The Netanyahu proposal and the Knesset vote came amid reports that the United States, Qatar, Egypt, and the Palestine Authority were working on a plan for a comprehensive peace deal between Israel and the Palestinians. The plan and vote also constitute a response to the ICJ hearings that could lead the court to declare Israel's occupation of Palestinian lands illegal, a finding that would shape any future Israeli-Palestinian negotiations. The vote implicitly reinforced Mr. Netanyahu's proposal that ends with the assertion that Israel outright rejects international dictates regarding a permanent settlement with the Palestinians. Such a settlement will only be achieved through honest negotiations between the parties, without preconditions. Mr. Netanyahu is correct that a resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict needs to be negotiated between Israelis and Palestinians. The problem is that in Mr. Netanyahu's vision, Palestinian negotiators would be compliant negotiators, sensitive to Israeli needs, rather than credible representatives of widely held Palestinian national aspirations. In addition, Mr. Netanyahu's call for negotiations without preconditions is deceptive. Mr. Netanyahu's precondition is that he will only talk to Palestinians who recognize Israel as a Jewish state and renounce violence up front. That approach was adopted by Palestine Liberation Organization or PLO leader Yasser Arafat when he engaged in the 1993 Oslo Accords. More than 30 years later, Palestinians have yet to fulfill their aspirations. No doubt, Palestinians are often their own worst enemy. However, that does not absolve Israel from doing everything to ensure those aspirations never materialize. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World with James M. Dorsey depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, 
to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you. Take care and best wishes. Thank you.